Dear Father, I want to thank you so much. Lord, I want to thank you for allowing me to share my personal story. I remember coming to ASI my first time in 2001, 18 years ago. And here we are today, Lord, and so I'm so grateful to see what you've done in my life. I pray today, Lord, that you'll be with me, Lord, that you'll share your words through me and that I can inspire someone, Lord, to know that you are truly a friend and that through you, Lord, we can do all things. Thank you so much and be with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you guys are ready to go on a journey this morning because I can tell you that my life is truly a miracle story. You know, I started out, I'm actually, um, my, my real name is actually Chu. My last name is actually C-H-E-W. And as I like to say, as I always say, going to give you something to chew on. Is that okay? Going to give you something to chew on. We can go ahead and play the first slide. And again, my, my life started out, you know, as actually, I, I, I was actually adopted at birth. And amazingly, I was brought into a family that had the last name Chu. And that was pretty amazing because who would have thought that I would one day be actually become a chef? Next slide. And so I literally was brought up in the country. I was a country boy. I mean, I grew up as a country boy and I ate a lot of meat. I mean, everything from fried chicken to ribs to pork chops to ham. I was literally one generation from eating squirrel. So I don't know if you guys ever ate a squirrel before, but I was literally one generation eating squirrel, possum. I mean, these are the things that I grew up eating. And my mother actually was raised as a Seventh-day Adventist, but she had left the church when she became of age. And so, but amazingly, in third grade, my mother began to send me to actually, she sent me to church with my family. And, and that was an amazing experience because my family actually was Seventh-day Adventists. So you can imagine, during the week, I would eat the fried chicken, the ribs, the pork chops, the ham, but on Sabbath, I got introduced to veggie meat. <laughs> You know, so my family came out and they had grillers. They had the, the Loma Linda Franks. And I mean, you got to understand, again, I'm eating ribs and fried chicken, but on Sabbath, they, they got wham. I'm like, what's wham? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was interesting to experience this experience. And so, you know, I grew up eating all of these different types of, uh, you know, veggie meats as a child, but I also was exposed to, uh, to real meat. And as a child, again, growing up, you know, I saw uh, family members who actually were coming down with really bad lifestyle diseases. Many of my family members actually had heart disease, diabetes. Many of my family members died before they were 60. And I saw the detriments and the impacts of, of this, this pretty much unhealthy eating and unhealthy lifestyle. And that had a big impact on me. Amazingly, as I was growing up, I was going to church every weekend, but I wasn't practicing in my home because my family, my mother and father wasn't Seventh-day Adventists, but I was exposed to, again, Seventh-day Adventism. And amazingly, when I was in 11th grade, I, used, I was a, actually was a track runner. And I ran, I mean, the, the mile, the 800, and I ran a lot of races to the point where I got literally a full scholarship uh, to run track. And this is my 12th grade year in high school. I got a full scholarship to run track, and as I was literally running one of my last races in high school, my leg actually breaks in a race. Can you imagine? I got a full scholarship to go run for school, run to college, and my leg literally breaks in a race. It's literally, I mean, again, I'm a, I'm a you know, I thought I was the coolest guy on the planet. I, I was this class president. You know, I had, I was, I just thought I was so cool. I had a full scholarship, and while I am running, my leg literally breaks in a race. Now, mind you, again, my mother started sending me to school when I was in third grade. 
And, and again, I learned about the Sabbath as I was growing up. And I used to run a lot, and a lot of the, the track meets were on which day? Anybody know what day the track was on? On the Sabbath. And, and again, the Holy Spirit began to convict me about literally about running on the Sabbath to a point, I remember one race, not, at, not when I broke my leg, but before this, I literally in one race, can you imagine running? I was running cross country, it's about a three mile race, and I literally stopped running in the race because of the conviction that the Holy Spirit put on my heart about the Sabbath. And this began to become an overwhelming burden to the point where literally I got a scholarship and then literally, again, my leg breaks in a race. I will tell you all, saints, that sometimes in your life, God has to break your leg to get you to do the right thing. Amen? Come on now. So God literally, again, slowed me down. He stopped me in my journey, and God had a purpose for me that I never would understand. It, but now I'm starting to see what he's doing in my life. My leg breaks in this race. At this point, I have a full scholarship to go to school. My, everything's paid for. My, my room and board, my, 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 my tuition's paid for. Everything is literally paid for. But now I'm being convicted by God to give my life to him and to give up this scholarship so that I can keep the seventh-day Sabbath. Amazingly, that summer, again, my, 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 my heart was pricked. I began to read the book called The Great Controversy. Anybody read The Great Controversy? I mean, I was terrified, man. <laughs> I was 17 years old. First time reading this, you know, Spirit of Prophecy, I, I read The Great Controversy, and I, I had this overwhelming burden that soon Jesus was going to come, and he needed young people to stand up for him and go work for him. Amen? And again, I had the conviction to give my life to him. My, my mom, my dad, and my uncle, who was my spiritual mentor, we went to our, my college coach. It was, I was going to Howard University in Washington, D.C., and I went to my college coach, and I, 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 we literally, I couldn't even say it. I was in tears when I told him that I was not going to take my scholarship. And I actually didn't tell him. My uncle had to be my spokesman, almost like Aaron and Moses. He had to be my Aaron. And he told my coach and says, my, my nephew is not going to take my scholarship, not going to take the scholarship because he's standing up for God. He's going to stand up for something that, that, that's, going to, that's going to be a pillar in his life. He's going to keep that seventh-day Sabbath. And, and, and as I understand it, that seventh-day Sabbath was entering into Christ's rest. I was entering into a calling that I didn't understand. You can look on the, on the, on the screen here. It says, Know ye not that they which run a race, it says, run, it says, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. You know, God wanted me to obtain a heavenly prize. I mean, I got a lot of medals. I won many races, but God had something better. It says, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. And it says, I therefore so run. God had a new race for me, amen? Had a new race for me. And I remember again telling that coach that we wasn't going to take the scholarship. My father could not understand it. He was not seven Adventists. He couldn't understand what in the world was going on with my son. He thought I was crazy, but I had to stand for Christ. Eventually, I, went, I still went to college, and while I was at school, I decided to actually start changing some things in my lifestyle. And one of the first things that God convicted me on was that I started changing my lifestyle, and I literally became a vegan. Can you imagine that? Now, you got to mind you, this was the year 2001, all right? Anybody remember veganism in 2001, plant-based? I mean, it was, it was okay. You know, I like to say, you know, I started eating, you know, the, the plant protein products. You know, right now there's a really big excitement about plant protein. But a lot of the products back then, you know, reminded me, sad to say, like dog food. I mean, it wasn't the greatest for me. 
I mean, and it was a big change for me. And so I, I literally at that point in my life became a Seventh-day Adventist, um, gave my heart to Christ, I got baptized, and I became a vegan as well. And I remember in 2001, that summer, I can tell you, ASI has been instrumental in my life. My first ASI was in 2001 in Sacramento. Can you imagine? 2001. And I remember as a young person, I went around to many of the booths. I saw different schools. I mean, I was a young country boy, came from the country, and I came to Sacramento miraculously. I had a friend of mine who, was in, who was, went to Howard University, and he actually um, lived in Sacramento. I didn't know that summer that, that, that ASI was going to be in Sacramento. I was actually on the plane, and somebody was talking on the plane about this convention that they were going to was called ASI. And when I literally got on the plane, I asked them, I said, what are you guys talking about? And I, I kind of knew they were seven Adventists because they, they look kind of different, amen? <laughs> I kind of knew they were different. And they said they're going to ASI and they're going, they're going to Sacramento where I was going. I was like, whoa, you're going to uh, this ASI thing. And I, I said, I'm going to Sacramento to see my, one of my best friends. I said, I said can, I, can, I come to, can I come to ASI? And I literally came to ASI. And, and I, I can tell you, I wrote out a ministry plan for my life. This is 2001. I want you to understand this. 2001, I wrote a ministry plan for my life. And when I was reading, I started reading uh, uh, Ellen White's books about restaurants and uh, medical missionary work and centers of influence. And I wrote this plan, and, and I called my plan Ministries for a Young Brother. Amen? Ministries for a Young Brother. And I remember I went to almost every booth in ASI. And I said, I got, a, I got a ministry for my, I'm a young brother and I got a ministry plan. I want to do a restaurant. I want to do medical missionary work. I want to start a food factory. I want to do all of these things for Christ. And I remember meeting different people. I remember meeting young people. People were excited. And I'm like, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to do, I want to work for God. And amazingly that summer, I made a crazy decision. Don't think I'm crazy, but I made a crazy decision. I quit college and became a missionary. Is that okay? I'm not telling young people to quit college and be a missionary. But I made the decision that summer to become a missionary, and I started my journey with Christ. And I literally became a missionary, a self-supporting missionary, and, and, and amazingly, I started selling books door-to-door. -door. I literally was going door-to-door, -door, selling books, co-portering. And while I was co-portering, I realized that a good way to co-porter is also to bring some products to the door. So I started making, actually, I started making my own granola. I call it my granola, Crunchy Bunchy Granola. We don't box, but we have a granola that will knock you out. Is that okay? So I started selling my books. I had the great controversy, had the, the ministry of healing, had the steps to Christ. Then they would get the book, and i say, you know something, ma'am? We don't just sell books, but we got something better. I got something called Crunchy Bunchy Granola, and I said, we don't box, but we got something that will knock you out. Amen. And, I, and people began to get the granola from me. And, and, and amazingly, we, we, I was with the missionary team. It was four, young, four guys. We was knocking on doors. We knocked on 40,000 homes in Frederick, Maryland, uh, literally almost some 16, 17 years ago. But we started, while we were selling books, we started developing food products. And I, I personally began to develop my own line of plant proteins. And, and, and I literally started experimenting because, again, you know, I was a country boy. I, I was familiar with eating ribs and steak and fried chicken. And, and I, I, I kind of had a desire for some fried chicken, but I wasn't going to go to the real chicken. So I wanted to figure out how in the world could I have a, a piece of fried chicken that tasted like fried chicken. 
And so I literally started experimenting. I mean, I did thousands of experiments. I mean, when I say thousands, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, taste, touching every single grain you can imagine, different types of beans. And I, my mama always laughs because she was my taste tester. My mama would be in the kitchen. I say, she was like a little bird. She'd be like, mama, taste this. What do you think, mama? And, and I literally went through thousands of experiments. And I discovered, you know, that eating meat was like this experience that I, I used to love. And it was three things that I recognized that, that why I love meat so much. And it was the texture, it was the taste, and it was the appearance. And I, I like to say that, you can go to the next slide, that God began to show me these secrets. And I read something that was pretty amazing. And it, and it talks about how, how God tells us that the Holy Spirit would enlighten us on how to actually, uh, to create, would give us skill and understanding. And it says that God would not forbid them, for I will reveal myself to them as their instructor. And I, and I read these quotes from Ellen White, how God will teach us through his Holy Spirit. It, says, it has been presented to me that men and women of capability were being taught by who? Taught by God how to prepare wholesome, palatable foods in an acceptable manner. And I'm like, man, the Holy Spirit gave Ellen White this almost 120, 30 years ago, and I believed it. And I said, God can help me and teach me how to make these amazing foods. And I tell you, saints, God fulfilled his word. Is that, is that okay? Let's see what God has done. The next slide. And so God allowed me to create my own plant-based chicken. I like to say it's one of the best-tasting plant-based foods. has a texture and taste that satisfies your body desire for meat. It's made with whole food ingredients that you can pronounce, and it looks and it tastes and it feels like meat. And we call our product, we call it Better Chew. We call it Better Chew. Better texture, better taste, better chew. I said, it looks like chicken, it tastes like chicken, but guess what? It ain't chicken. It's crispy on the outside and it's white in the middle. Oh, it's delicious. You know, one thing I learned about food, you got to get people excited. Is that okay? You got to get people excited. And God began to show me that, you know, I mean, again, in, in, in year 2001, when I began to start eating these foods, you know, I, I was making, I took, my first recipe was made with oat burgers. I took an oat burger and made it into a little chicken nugget. It was like, whoa, I was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, it was like an oat burger can look like a chicken nugget. And I was like, man, this is amazing. But eventually the Lord began to show me these secrets. And now we have these amazing products. And, and, and God is starting to do amazing things. And, and just recently, this last week with our product, we literally just launched our product in the Whole Foods market. Is that okay? We launched our product in the Whole Foods market. We launched in Northern California in 45 stores in Northern California. And this was a miracle because I fulfill, I believe that God again, when I was here at ASI in 2001, and I had that, that mission as a young brother to, to see food manufacturing and healthy foods, I mean, 17 years, 18 years later, God fulfilled his word in my life. You know, sometimes in life when we, we have a calling from God, Sometimes that calling takes some time. Is that okay? You know, and sometimes I know in my experience, I, I, at times I've, I've doubted God. I, I couldn't see the end from the beginning. But I can say today, as I testify today, that God is always faithful. God is always on time. I mean, amazingly, I, when I, when I, the reason how I got in Whole Foods, I, I remember me, I met the buyer at Whole Foods. And I met him, I gave him my 20-second spiel. I said, listen, man, I got chicken that looked like chicken. It tastes like chicken, but guess what? It ain't chicken. You got to try it. He says, okay, man, come to my office and come see me. I went to his office, 
And he had his team at Whole Foods, and they was literally, I said, he said, listen, show me what you got. I was like, all right, I'm a cold porter, man. I know how to sell. I said, I got something that's going to knock you out. I, you know, I was ready for that. You know, it's amazing because God, as, when, I, when I came out of school, and I, and, and I didn't really go over that 20-year period, but God, again, was teaching me a lot of principles of business. You know, again, whoever, anybody here a Cole Porter? I got any Cole Porters here? Come on now, I like some hands right there, right? You know, Cole Porter is a difficult, it's a difficult thing to do, right? You get a lot of rejection. But what you also learn how to do, you learn how to sell. Is that okay? You, your salesmanship becomes perfected because as you go door to door, you become desperate sometimes. I mean, one time a lady was at the door. She said, I ain't opening the door. She said, I ain't going to open the door for you. I said, why are you not going to open the door? I said, man, I got something that's going to save your life. And she looked and she didn't look, but she said, oh, I said, she, she, she cracked the door open. I said, ma'am, I said, I said, God has me here for a purpose. And she was like, man, what's wrong with this guy? And I, you know, sometimes you just got to give him that, that Jesus coming speech, you know, like he's coming today. And she was like, okay. And, and she got some books. I'm like, man. I remember one time I was in, in North Carolina and, and I was, it was a barber shop. And these guys was in the barber shop. I had my books, I had my books in my bag. And I said, Lord, I'm going to go into this barber shop. Went inside the barber shop. And man, and, and these guys, I mean, they were talking. I said, listen, guys, I said, listen, you guys talking about football, but I, I know about a game that says there's only going to be one winner. Amen? There's only going to be one winner. And I said, that game is called the game of salvation. And it's not really a game. It's a game for our souls. God, God has already won the battle. And I remember bringing those books to Great Controversy. And this guy got seven books. The barber who owned the shop bought seven books. And then he invited me to his church on Sunday, and I sold books on Sunday. Amen. So I'm like, look, I, I didn't see what God can do, so I can, I'm sure he can help me with Whole Foods. Amen? If he can work in the spiritual realm, you better believe he can work in the physical realm. Amen? So the buyer at Whole Foods became very excited about our product to the point where he come almost this, he like adopted me as, as being this new product that's going to be amazing at Whole Foods. I mean, I could call him on my cell phone. I mean, I can call him right now. And he would answer. But he became a friend of mine, and he helped me to, to say, listen, he's like, you got to do Whole Foods. And I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the money. But God says, listen, I'm going to provide. And God provided everything I needed. God provided. And so, again, we launched in Whole Foods, and, and literally two weeks ago, we're on the shelf. People are emailing us and saying, man, this product tastes amazing. Looks like chicken, tastes like chicken, but it ain't chicken. And so we want to thank God for what he's doing. And then next you'll see that, you know, I've been able to go to uh, major pitch competitions. I was at a, a competition called Natural Foods Expo East. And this is pretty much one of the leading conventions in the natural foods area, natural foods category in food. And we won first place at two national pitch competitions. And all I can say is give glory to God, give glory to God. Because God says, listen, man, you was adopted at birth. I gave you this name, Chu. And somehow you started recognizing that you was a chef, so I started calling myself Chef Chu. And as I like to say, as I always say, going to give you something to chew on. And God began to use this thing, and now he's increasing our borders. And so we're realizing that God has a plan. And I'm going to tell you, show you some things here, how what we're doing now is prophetic. God has a prophetic calling. 
And you're going to see next that as you, as you look at this, it says when properly conducted, the health work is an entering wedge, making a way for other truths to reach the heart. When the third angel's message is received in its fullness, what's going to be found? Health reform will be given its place in the councils of the conference. It says also in the work of the church, the home, at the table, and all the household arrangements. Then the right arm will serve and protect the what? The body. God has a mission for us as a church. Keep on going. You're going to see next that Ellen White again prophesies this. A very serious objection to the, it says, to the practice of meat eating is found in the fact that diseases are becoming more and more widespread among the animal creation. It says the curse, it says, because of sin causes the earth to groan under the inhabitants thereof and every living thing is subject to disease and death. Cancers and tumors, diseases of the lungs, the liver, the kidneys, all exist among the what? The animals that are what? Used for food. I mean, come on, right now we're seeing a surge. We're seeing a surge in people wanting to do what? Go plant-based. It's not by coincidence. Next, you can read the next slide. Let the diet reform be progressive. Let the people be taught how to prepare food without the use of milk or butter. Tell them that the time will, come, will soon come when there will be no safety in using eggs and milk, cream or butter because disease in animals is increasing in proportion to the increase of the wickedness among men. Again, I've seen this firsthand. For me, this is a life or death issue because when you have your family members, your father, your closest aunts die before 60 years old from lifestyle diseases, from cancer and diabetes, when you see this firsthand, you recognize that what God has given us as a church is not just for us. It's not just for Sabbath potluck. I mean, I mean how fun is it just having potluck and just serving ourselves? What is that going to do? I mean, it's great. But God has called us to take this health message as an entering wedge into the world. But what is happening right now? What we see happening right now? Next slide. You're going to see that we're seeing unprecedented growth. Right now, literally, I was talking to one of my friends, Wes Staubel, and he told me that right now, literally, in 2000, I think 2014, only like 1% of America was actually vegan. Now, literally, in the last four or five years, we've seen 600% growth in, in veganism. Literally, almost 7% of the, of, the, of, the, literally of the United States is actually plant-based. You're also going to see that right now the, 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 the people are, I mean, buying these products and there's a surge of millennials and people are flexitarians wanting to eat less meat. You can see next that right now, here, here, here's the mission field. You have millennials who are saying they want to go plant-based because of ethical reasons. And you'll see that also on the last slide, you'll see that, again, millennials, they want to go, go plant-based because of ethical reasons. You'll also see that there's individuals like flexitarians. That's people who eat, who say, I want to eat less meat. I want to have better tasting options. And then you have the baby boomer generation who literally are, are suffering from disease and they're wanting to transition to a more healthier lifestyle. Right now, you guys have probably been following the news on the next slide, you'll see that right now, like there's companies, anybody heard of Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat, some of those companies? I mean, these companies are Beyond Meat did an IPO. They went, up, they went public on the stock exchange and they have a, almost a eight almost $9 billion valuation. Can you imagine a plant-based burger? I mean, we've been having burgers for the last 100 years. But they are literally getting a $9 
billion dollar valuation on a burger. What I can tell you, saints, is that the rocks are crying out. We've been given a work over 120 years ago, and I like to say, I don't think we've been as faithful of God as wanted us to be. And the world is monetizing it. They're making money at it. I'm not, I don't know their intentions, but I know that God has given us a prophetic work, a work that not only, yes, is gonna, it can make resources for God's kingdom, but it also can reach hearts with the gospel. For God has given us a solution to help, uh, help to break the tide of disease, and God needs us as his people to get excited again about the health message. You're going to see next that science is also showing the importance. And literally, an article came out in January of how literally they're showing that the plant, a plant-based diet is the way to go. And it's almost like they read Genesis. They read the Genesis lifestyle, and they was like, yo, hey, uh, this, this plant-based diet, it, it's, it's going to save the world. Not only is it going to save the world, it's going to save the environment. You know, the world is scared because they recognize that all this, this meat eating and all this, this, this excessive, uh, you know, factory farming is having a big impact on the, the environment. And they're saying we have to change. We have to change how we're eating. We have to change what we're doing because what we're doing is not sustainable. And so people are putting, again, millions and millions and millions of dollars to make a change in how they're eating and the lifestyle of what we're having in this country and around the world. But again, saints, I want to tell you all today that what we're doing is a prophetic work. You know, God let me, some years back in 2008, God put upon my heart to start something called, uh, my first restaurant called Eating to Live. You go to the next slide. And, and, and I remember in, in 2008, the Lord put upon my heart to start a restaurant. And, and, and I grew that restaurant, and I started another restaurant in 2011, and eventually God called me to the beautiful state of California. Anybody ever been to California? And so literally, it's a quote that says this. It says, there's a work to be done in California, a work that has been strangely neglected. Let this work be delayed no longer. As doors open for the presentation of truth, let us be what? Ready to enter. As soon as possible, well-organized efforts should be put forth in different sections of the city. It says, and also in where, what city is that? What do you see? It says, in Oakland, California, other restaurants similar to Market Street, which is in San Francisco at the time, should be open in San Francisco and in Oakland. What year was that written, saints? 1902. In my understanding, there was never a restaurant that we saw in, the, in, 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 in any kind of periodicals that there was actually a restaurant in Oakland, California that was done by our church. But I want to tell you, saints, that that prophecy was fulfilled. Amen? God literally has fulfilled that prophecy. You know, amazingly, God called me to California literally in 2000, I believe it was 2014. And the reason how I, I, I got to California, you know how I got to California? I actually met somebody, guess where, at ASI. Come on now. Can you get excited, ASI? I met the uh, secretary of our conference in 2011 at ASI. I had a booth here, and I had a booth. I, was, I, was, I had a restaurant at the time in Arkansas, and I had a booth. He saw my booth. He says, he says Chef Chu, this restaurant concept will go very well in Oakland, California. He says, won't you come and visit me one day and come out to see me and talk to me about this restaurant? So and literally, I met him in 2011. A year went by, I never called him. I, I was so busy and doing what I was doing in Arkansas. And, and, and literally, a year later, 
the exact year, like literally since I saw him at ASI, I was in California doing a cooking class for a church in Ceres, California, in the Modesto Ceres, California area in the Central Valley. And while I was there, I was an hour away from the Northern California Conference office, and I went to go, I called the office, that gentleman that I saw at ASI the prior year, I called him up and I said, Dr. Woodson, I said, can I come see you? I'm Chef Chu, you remember me? He said, Chef Chu, I was in Orlando, Florida, literally this, that weekend, he was at ASI the next year. He said, I came to ASI to come visit you, but you didn't have a booth at ASI that year in 2012. He says, but guess what? You're only an hour from me. Come see me. And so now, I'm, now he came to ASI. I wasn't there, but I'm literally an hour from his office. That next day on Monday, I called him on, I saw, I called him on Monday, that Tuesday, I went to his office and I gave him my plan. I had my plan, a ministry for a young brother. I said, look, man, I got a restaurant. We got to do this. God is calling us to come to California. The prophecy's in the page. I said, we can make it happen. He says, give me a proposal. I gave him a proposal. He was excited. The conference president was excited. They said, let's start a restaurant in California. And amazingly, we, we talked to the leadership of the GC at the North American Division, and they said, man, let's go for it. Chef Chu, come on to California. Can we get excited? So amazing, I, I, I told my people in Arkansas, I said, I'm going to California. Can you imagine? Old country boy eating squirrel and possum and ribs. He, oh man, he going to California, man. I, I told my wife, pack up the bags, baby. Let's go. I had a, and I had a Prius. I was ready. I had a Prius. Come on now. A Toyota Prius. I was excited. I got a Toyota Prius, 48 miles to the gallon. I said, baby, let's pack the bags up. My son was only one years old. I told Arkansas, I was a pastor in Arkansas. I had to say, church, I love y'all, but I'm going to do a church plan, a restaurant in Oakland. I said, give me your blessings. The conference president said, now, now mind you, the conference president said, whatever you do, sir, make sure you get this in writing. That was the conference president in Arkansas told me. So I didn't get nothing in writing. They did, I went on everybody's word. I was excited, oh, excited, excited, excited. Man, we drove across country. Took us five days from Arkansas to California. And my baby was crying. My wife was upset. She's like, man, are you sure you should be going to California? I mean, the boy, one years old, we, we, everything's still in Arkansas in storage. She's like, man, I said, baby, we're going to be okay. I get to California. When I got to California, y'all, y'all don't believe me. I got to California. I went to the conference office, and they said, Chef Chu, man, it's good to see you. Man, ooh, Chef Chu, it's good to see you. When I got there, they said, Chef Chu, something happened Something happened. The paperwork wasn't processed, and there's no restaurant for you to start here. So there was no money available. I moved my family. I left everything. My little boy was in the car. I mean, he was crying. He looked pitiful. He was, he was hungry. I got to California. The conference said, sir, right now we, we, we don't have nothing to tell you. We, things didn't work out. I said, how crazy was I? And so now I'm stuck in California. No job. No, I got, I got $10,000 in the bank. I got bills to pay. And I tell you, saints, I was afraid. I was scared. I was, in, I was terrified. But I was also resting in Christ. Because the same guy, when I broke my leg and I had to give my scholarship up, he provided, amen. When I was a coal porter and I had to work for food, I mean, can you imagine when you corporate, you ain't got no gas money, you ain't got no food, and you have to sell a book. And I saw God sell book after book after book, and he provided every single time. 
So I knew that the same God that did it for me then is the same God that was able to do it for me today. Amen? And I waited. And I, I mean, I'm, it's going on four months. I'm in California. I got there in January. Now it's April. In April, I'm, I'm almost dead broke. Money is out. I'm, I'm, I'm almost broke. And I'm saying, Lord, I have no job. What are you going to do? And literally, man, the, the money wasn't coming. And the Lord was like, okay, it's going to be okay. My, I, and the first thing I did, I said, you know, sir, I need some money now. I need, I'm like, I'm out of money. I called my mama. Is that okay? Can I call mama? Is that okay? Come on now. I called my mama. I called my mama. I said, mama, 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 mama. I was singing to mama that day. I said, mama, can I get some money? She says, how much you need, baby? She said, how much you need? I said, mama, I need about $2,000. I need a little bit of money. I got I to gotta get over this month. She said, I got you, baby. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll take care of you. She made me feel good too, y'all. You know how mamas make you feel good? She made me feel real good. But my, my wife said, you filed your taxes yet? I said, no, nah, I ain't filed taxes. Let me see. Let me, I said, go ahead and file your taxes. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I said, I'm going to go to the tax lady and see what happened. Went to, went to H&R Block. Went and filed my taxes. I got there. You know, most years I was a, I was a you know, I didn't make a whole lot of money. I, and, and I said, I said, I was expecting maybe $1,000 I'm going to get back. Filed my taxes. The lady looked at me and said, Mr. Chu, he says, you're going to get $6,000. I said, what? I said, are you serious? And you have to understand, saints, when I came to California, I had $10,000 in my pocket. I'm broke. My mama says, I'm going to give you $2,000. The tax lady looked at me and said, Mr. Chu, you're going to be okay. You're going to get $6,000. I said, whoa. Now I got $8,000, y'all. I mean, I'm broke, and this is in a two-week two time frame. God gave me $8,000, right? But he ain't done yet. While I was in Arkansas, you have to understand, I was at a stop sign in Arkansas. A lady runs to my car. I mean, she hits me in the back of my car. Just boom, boom, just runs into me. And my car gets this dent, you know, and so forth. When I finally get it, I never got it fixed before I went to California. Now I'm in California, right in the same time frame when I got to 8,000. I said, let me go to the, uh, to the, to the insurance company and, and get it looked at. And the insurance company looked at it and said, Mr. Chu, you can get the car fixed or you can get the money. I said, hmm. That money sounds pretty good right now, don't it? I, he said, he said, I said, how much money is it going to be? He said, $1,600. I said, man, I don't see no debt. I don't know where the debt is at. I said, give me the $1,600. Come on now. Now I got $9,600. I'm not lying to y'all. I mean, I'm telling y'all today. I come $10,000, I'm broke. Now I got $9,600 in my bank in two weeks. In the same time frame, can you imagine? When I was in Arkansas, I had Comcast, I had the electric bill and all that kind of stuff. I overpaid my bills before I left. And right during the same time frame, I got like three checks. The checks totaled like $300, $400. And now I'm sitting there with, guess how much money, y'all? $10,000. Come on. Come on. God provided for me. And I'm telling you today, when you got something that God wants you to do, God can provide for you. Quickly, you can see these last slides. Let's see what God has done now. We went to California. God allowed me to start a restaurant here. She says that we should have restaurants that have treatment rooms and our centers are large cities. You're going to see next what it says next. So God, just like Jesus, Jesus not only was a carpenter, he also was a chef. Amen. He had the five loaves and two fishies cafe. He had the miracle juice bar. Amen. He had the manna cafeteria. Amen. 
So I said, you know, I'm just like Jesus. I'm going to feed the people some good food, amen. And God always provides, amen. Now we had a program in, in San Francisco called the Bridges to the Bay, and we launched a restaurant called the Veg Hub. Is that okay? And let's see what God did. Let's see what God did, saints. We opened this restaurant, conference president, and uh, the secretary, Dr. Wilson. Dr. Wilson's on, on my left, the African-American gentleman. That's the uh, vice mayor, Andy Campbell, Washington, in Oakland. And we asked there, cutting the ribbon in Oakland. Come on, saints. It was a little delay, but God always gives delays for his purpose. Amen? He wants my faith. He wants our faith to increase. So he allows disappointment. He allows delay. He allows hardships for our own personal benefit. Amen. And so God provided. Here we are opening the next slide you're going to see right here. Again, God put me in a room. I made an owner's manual. I had a 300-page owner's manual. I said, you know something, not only are we going to start a restaurant, we're going to start a restaurant franchise. Is that okay, y'all? I said, we, we ain't going to just have it in Oakland. This is going to be just the beginning. Not only are we going to have it in Oakland, we want to come to L.A. We want to come to uh, Loma Linda. We want to come to New York. We want to come to major cities around the country, and let's see what God can do. Amen? Next year, you'll see right here, when we had the opening day at the restaurant, we had a line that was wrapped around the block. I mean, you don't understand. I mean, I remember my first restaurant in 2008. I had a dream that we was going to experience this. In my first restaurant, I didn't have this type of impact. But I tell you, in 2008, when I had my first restaurant, I had a dream that this would happen. And I remember that day seeing a, a line wrapped around the door of our whole block, almost 200 people waiting in line to eat our Believers Better True fried chicken that looks like chicken, tastes like chicken. But guess what, y'all? It ain't chicken. Next year, you'll see we also at our restaurant, we got food critics that come. They're amazed by the textures. We got hundreds and hundreds of reviews from our community. But most importantly, you'll see next that God is doing some miraculous things. We do cooking classes for the community, amen? Where you, where we have a program for, the, for youth in our community, and we're teaching our young people how to eat healthy because we live in an area, especially in Oakland, where you have food deserts where people don't have access to healthy food options. So we realize there's a great ministry to be done, and I believe that God wants us all to be in some type of ministry for Him because God needs soldiers. God needs missionaries in these last days. You'll see this next slide. That our mission right now, what we're doing in 2020, 2020 is going to be the year, y'all. I don't know if you guys are getting excited about 2020, but I, I'm excited about 2020. 2020 vision. And, and right now, we're, 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 our prayer at the Veg Hub is that we're seeking to use the Veg Hub as a church plan. Is that okay, y'all? As a church plan. There might be some young people out in the audience today who's saying, look, I, I want to do something for Christ. Come talk to me. I'm going to be in the Young Professionals today. You know, we're looking to start a church plant in Oakland, utilizing our vegan restaurant in Oakland. We've been there for three years, making major impact. And I believe that God wants to use this as a beginning. He wants to see these restaurants all around the world. Our last slide in closing. You know, amazingly, I, I would read this. It says, God would have restaurants established in the cities. If properly managed, these will become missionary centers. I want to tell you guys today, saints, that God needs missionaries. God needs people who are willing to take risk. Miss missionary work is risky. It's not easy, but it's rewarding. It's fulfilling. I mean, it's, it's better than any TV show sequel you can ever watch because you're walking with Christ. 
You're a co-laborer with the angels. I remember reading a, a quote that says, angels work through our hands. They speak through our voices. God needs us in these last days, and God needs you to be a missionary. Right now, we're going to have a, a little small prayer, a, a, a silent prayer. And I want you all to just think about your life. No matter how old you are, no matter how, how, how young you are, God needs you. Whether big or small, God needs you. If you all can have a, a moment of silent prayer, we're going to have a silent prayer, and I'm going to just end uh, with, a, with a quiet prayer as well. And we're going to ask God to use us in a mighty way. If you can all bow our heads if we can, please. Dear Father, we come humbly before your throne. You tell us, Lord, that we can come boldly before your throne of grace, that you would help us in the time of need. Lord, I've shared my story today, dear God, and and I've seen those times when I've needed you, Lord. And and I, I was able to call to your throne of grace. And Lord, you helped me. You provided. You encouraged me. I didn't always do the right things. I wasn't, all, I wasn't perfect in no way, shape, or form, but Lord, you, you saw my faults and you saw my need and you provided. You've always done exceedingly and abundantly above what I asked or thought, or thought. And I'm here today to ask you, dear God, that you would do the same for everyone in this audience today. Lord, you are a miracle worker. God, you need a, a generation of, of, of soldiers in these last days to fulfill your mission and your purposes. If there's someone here today, Lord, that is wanting to do something for you, want, wanting to take a risk for Christ, give them the faith, give them the fortitude, give them the courage, dear God, and work in their behalf. Lastly, we thank you for ASI. For ASI has been instrumental, Lord, in my life. And I pray this weekend, Lord, as, as these, these hours go on, as these, these next two days go on, that you would work a miracle in someone's life and that you would work out somebody's will. Give them a calling. Show them that they are needed now. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we say all these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI. Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.